The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. G'day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files here at Print21, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry each month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Hewson, publisher of Print21. And this month, it's been a big month in print, comes as the print industry grapples with the collapse of Ovato. Wayne, it's a shock, no doubt about it, to see the administrators move into what was once Australia's biggest print business. But you're saying in the reporting and analysis that I've seen you do so far, that it's not a real surprise. What makes you say that? Uh, well, Lindy, since the PMP IPMG merger uh, j- just a few years ago, the company has lost $430 million in total funds, uh, to, to which will be added potential losses of this year with the report due out soon. At the end of December, Ovato reported cash levels of just $9 million bucks compared to a debt of $49 million. And anyone who's been looking at the quarterly reports that the company's been issuing since it restructured will see the cash flow has been precarious, to say the least. And then just last month, the ACCC, when it was uh, when it whipped through the uh, the OK for Opus to buy the Griffin Press business from from Ovato in double quick time, said the reason was the likely imminent insolvency of Ovato if the proceed transaction didn't proceed. Its figures are stark. Its current market capitalization of ten point eight million dollars. That's less than the value of one of its presses at Warwick Farm. Revenue for Ovato in the year to June 2017 was a billion dollars, but a year later, 734 million. Last year, 443 million. This year, well, it's going to struggle to reach 250 million because we've only really got Australia. Uh, losses have been large and growing. In 2017, they were 126 million dollars, and that's been followed every year since, since in, with with losses in the double digits, 109 million in June 2020. 67 million last year, adding up to 430 million. So you can see that's a lot of reading, proving unsustainable. The Hannans are clearly not prepared to countenance anymore. Well, yes, Wayne, when I listen to you reeling off those figures, the gravity of the situation is quite clear. Those are huge and ongoing losses. What have the directors been doing about them? Well, 18 months ago, Lindy, they took some serious action, some dramatic action. They restructured the business. Uh, they closed Clayton, which is a Victorian manufacturing site with loss of 300 jobs. Uh, a few months ago this year, they just closed New Zealand, the whole heat set business. Uh, they asked all their suppliers 18 months ago to take a 50% cut in invoices that are owing to them. Um, they've sold off the, the uh, retail distribution business, formerly Gordon & Gotch. They've sold off Griffin Press. They have attracted investors, our media, Leftfield Print Group. The restructure, 18 months ago, they got $40 million cash injection. Um, senior managers have gone, Craig Dunsford and CEO Kevin Slavin amongst them. Uh, but in the end, none of it was enough. Um, what was five years ago was a billion-dollar business uh, is now at, on the floor and at the mercy of the administrators. Yeah, it sure looks like they did try everything, but as you said, sadly to no avail. And unfortunately, Avato is not an uncommon story. As we look at comparative companies around the world... Um, we know that in the U.S., of the top three heat set web printers there, two of them, Quad Graphics and Quebecore, had to merge with each other, while the third, R.R. Donnelly, has been through countless restructures. And in the U.K., Polestar, which we can say was their, was, um, their equivalent of PMP, with plants all over the country, collapsed in a heap six years ago. 
And then, of course, just this month, one of the biggest UK heatset operations, YM Group, which includes the high-profile Pindar Group, went bust. What's going on, Wayne? What's causing these once great businesses to fall over? Well, in a word, Lindy, the smartphone, the uh, little piece of equipment that we all carry around in our pockets is the real cause because it's changed the way that the public consumes media and particularly consumes two of the big items that that uh, Ovato prints, magazines and catalogues. Uh, magazines, of course, the Ovato prints the really big ones, which is still prints, Women's Day, Women's Weekly, but it also printed some of those women's gossip magazines that either are no more or are now uh, a fraction of what they once were because the, the logic is clear, isn't it? Why would you want to see what the Kardashians did two months ago when you can see what they did last night on your smartphone on video and then you can press a button and order what they're wearing on your smartphone so you can see why publishers love the smartphone as well as as well as the media. So that's magazines. And then for catalogues, catalogues uh, from retail companies are increasingly hands of young marketing departments who don't see the value in print, but they see the value in digital because of the response that they can measure and get from it. There's big arguments over that, over who's right. You know, People say retail is driven by catalogues, printed catalogues, but the marketing departments, they're not saying that so much. Um, and Ovato's lost Woolworths, or most of Woolworths, lost Kmart to its massive weekly run magazines. Um, I've, of course, its rival famously lost the Coles catalog, 10,000 tons of print a year. Uh, but uh, IVE is a more diversified, a deliberately diversified group, whereas Avato is deliberately narrow. And so the, 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 uh, it, suffered, it's, it suffers much more, of course, if you're narrow. If you, own a niche, if you go for a niche and that niche falls apart for whatever reason, in this case, the smartphone, you're going to suffer more. And unfortunately, that's the story of Avato and those comparable companies you mentioned around the world, RR Dunley, Polestar. YM Group just uh, just this month. Yeah, there's no doubt that the smartphone is leading us into a new era of digitization of content, um, even just on the level of engaging via packaging through printed packaging through smartphone activations. Um, and certainly on my commute, I don't see anybody reading a printed newspaper, printed magazine, very seldom even a printed book um, on the commute. So the smartphone is that accessory that has become the essential document holder, really, and device that gives us access to, to everything we want to read and know in the world immediately, right now, in real time. And to be able to then buy whatever we're looking yeah. at, which is key to the, the retailers and the yeah. publishers. You can click a button and buy it there and then. So, Wayne, what's going to happen with Avato now? Presumably, the administrators will try and sell the business? Uh, yeah, their aim is to maximise return to creditors. Uh, the first creditors meeting is going to take place shortly. Uh, they'll try They'll try initially to sell the business as a whole. Uh, if they can't do that, they'll try and sell it in parts. If they can't do it in that, they'll go for liquidation. Expressions of interest have already been received uh, and binding offers are due by the 11th of August, so just two weeks. The administrators have to move quickly because, of course, they're paying out a fortune in wages at the moment. Uh, now they've got now almost 900 staff on the books. Um, so they've, they've got a lot of cash going out, so they're trying to get the pro whole process going as quickly as they can. Well, and certainly begs the question that if the Hannons, who had some 90 years experience um, in running successful print businesses, couldn't make it work, why would anyone else think that they could? Yeah, good question, Lindy. Uh, three reasons were given by the uh, company for sending the business into administration. Market volatility, raw, increasing raw materials costs, and crucially, legacy cost issues. 
And the last one is the key. And the legacy cost issues is essentially code for the workplace IR agreements that they have in place right now. Those agreements go back many years to a time when the print industry was in a very different place financially, and they were pumping through thousands of tons of catalogs and magazines every year. Now, the uh, the directors have said those workplace agreements are no longer sustainable. The new owner will be able to shed all those agreements because they'll they'll buy what the company without those, um, and so that will put the company on a different financial footing. They'll have a lot less. Whoever buys it, if they do buy it, will have a lot less staff and those staff will cost them less, and the terms and conditions will be lower. So that's a reason that the administrator would be hoping that someone would come in and buy the business. It doesn't get rid of the underlying issues of the, we talked about earlier, the smartphone taking work away from magazines and catalogs, uh, but it's a potential reason why someone else might think, or one of the reasons why someone else might think they could come in and have a good go. Well, with revenue of more than 300 million long-term contracts, and the ability to lose those legacy cost issues, there is bound to be some interest, certainly from private equity funds seeking cash-generating businesses, Wayne. Apart from the funds, though, who else do you reckon would be interested? Yeah, it's a good question, Lindy. Uh, we have to say Ive, of course, of Arta's biggest rival, uh, is bound to be interested in all or part of it. Um, our media, it's a fascinating world, the heat set world. Our media, which is the owner of what used to be Kerry Packer's business, ACP, that then became Bauer, that uh, is now owned by Mercury Capital, uh, is a stakeholder, has a stake in uh, in the business, in Ovato. And typically, a magazine publisher of its size, and it has 55 to 60% of all magazines in Australia, are our media magazines, would not want just to have one supplier to go to for those printing. And if Ovato falls over in a heap, they will only have IVE, or mainly IVE, to go to. They wouldn't want that to happen. Um, so they've got to be a potential bidder. And given that, ours owner, Mercury Capital, owns Blue Star Print Group in New Zealand, which is now really the only heat set printer over there. So they have a vertically integrated business in New Zealand, publish and print, well, and distribute as well. Uh, whereas, And if they, if our bought Ovata, or part of it, uh, they would have the same model here. Um Apart from IVE and R Media, Leftfield Group, Leftfield Print Group, which is the Hong Kong-based organization, they, uh, which already owns Opus, and it has pumped $20 million into Avato in the last few months, and now has, a, has a, uh, almost 15% stake, 14.7% stake. They've got to be a serious contender, although they'll tell you they're not in catalogs, they're in books. But nonetheless, you know, they've, they're a cash-rich company. Um, so they, they're a definite contender. Apart from that, as you mentioned, private equity comes, companies, any number of those, because they will see those long-term contracts, cash-generating company and the ability to strip out costs as potentially attractive. Management could go for a DOCA, deed of company arrangement, uh, which means effectively they shed the, shed the debt. Uh, but they, in doing that, are unlikely to be able to shed some of those legacy costs that we talked about earlier. So it's going to move quickly. Keep tuned to Print21, and we'll keep you all fully informed. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and certainly by the next time we're having this conversation, we'll know, know the answers. Let's hope that something can be rescued. But meanwhile, as Ovata goes through its trials and tribulations, we have seen any number of other print businesses recalibrating this month as they seek to build their platforms for the future. And this has resulted, Wayne, in some new names in the industry, including Engine and Pegasus Media and Logistics. This is really good to see. 
Yeah, while Obato has dominated the headlines through its inability, some would say, to adapt to changing times, we're actually seeing many print businesses able to, as you say there, Lindy, recalibrate and adapt. Uh, so a couple of examples of that this month. Engine, which was uh, DMM, which before that was direct mail and marketing. So in other words, a direct com mail company owned by Fred Humphreys. Many people know him. Uh, they effectively themselves went into administration 18 months ago, were then bought by some a group of investors from outside the industry, actually sports people, and uh, changed to DMM. They've now rebranded completely to Engine, and they've got four main pillars of, of business. Uh, they're leveraging the skills and the knowledge into whole new areas. One of those, for instance, they now run the online shops for various football clubs and uh, the big clubs, I mean, like the, the big AFL Premier League clubs. So Engine, which was a direct mail company, which you know, printing, mailing, is now used its IT, lose, used its market power, used its knowledge and skill to get into brand new areas uh, and is now much more than, than what it was. Fantastic story. And then Pegasus Print Group uh, and SOS Print and Media have now been created into one business, Pegasus Media and Logistics. This is one of the premier independent print businesses in the country, owned by AAB, uh, run for 20 years by Wayne Finkeldy. He's recently retired. Kevin Slavin, ex-CEO of Avato, is now running the, running the business. And they've now joined all their businesses. They've got the SOS Print and Media in Alexandria, well-known for its digital work the Pegasus company out in uh, Blacktown, and then a couple of other really interesting companies as well, a supplies company, FM Supplies, which basically means anything you want from a million plastic spoons to whatever, they'll get for you from China. They've got four offices there sourcing it, whole new business they've got into, and a warehousing business as well, all under the one name, Pegasus Media and Logistics. So great to see these companies really moving forward and developing and leveraging their skills and knowledge into new areas. Yeah, certainly diversifying seems to be the name of the game. So along with recalibration, we are seeing investment in print also starting to ramp up. And there was no better demonstration of that than at PacPrint. And the show organizer says that $50 million worth of deals were done at the show with potentially another $50 million in the post-show pipeline. What have you got to say about that? Well, that's a, that's a lot of cash. I mean, a $100 million investment that Pac-Print organizers saying could possibly come from the show. Of course, there's investment's been running at a low level for two years because of COVID. That's fair enough. Um, so, yeah, there was no shortage of sales. And we actually talked about a few of them last time around. Um, so the industry is starting to reinvest. And it's not just digital presses that are going in. Offset press is being ordered too. For instance, Southern Impact another Premier League print business based down there in Melbourne. They've just ordered a new Heidelberg XL 106 10 color, 5 over 5 perfecter. It's actually replacing a, a Heidelberg 10 color they bought nine years ago, a machine that you see the engineering quality of these machines. It's been running virtually nine, night and day for nine years and uh, only just being replaced. And they're only really being replaced because, as Rod Dawson, managing director, told me, they want to build a platform for the next 10 years. Uh, so that's uh, one example of uh, equipment going in. Well, it's certainly clear that print businesses have a lot to offer and a lot of them are not just offering print. But getting the right leaders in place seems to be the key thing to driving these businesses forward. And if we look at the three companies that we've just talked about, we see Rod Dawson and his team at Southern. Um, we've got Scott Allen at Engine, and of course, as you mentioned, Kevin Slavin at Pegasus, all very focused leaders with strong boards behind them. And then, of course, we have to congratulate Blue Star Group in New Zealand on appointing Jill Cowling 
to what is the biggest job in KiwiPrint, Group CEO at Blue Star Group, which will include Blue Star with eight production plants around the country and WebStar with plants in Auckland and Masterton. That's a really great feather in her cap and a really good decision by Blue Star. Yeah, and well, good news for Blue Star as well. Anyone who knows Jill knows she's a really smart business person. Uh, and as we indicated earlier, Blue Star Group is now part of a somewhat vertically inter integrated company with R Media, owned by Mercury Capital. So that's business is also evolving as it as it goes along. And then, Wayne, as we come to the end of this episode, it is with uh, a huge degree of sadness that we have to talk about Peter Clark, president of the PVCA, founder of Heatset Pioneer AIW environmental champion, mentor to many, who after a 59-year career in print passed away at the start of the month. Very sad news indeed. Uh, yeah, we are all the poorer for that, Lindy. Um, certainly everyone in the print industry, the print industry as a whole. Peter Clark, he hailed from Tasmania. He had an illustrious 59-year career in print. He was inducted into the uh, industry honor roll at the National Print Awards just before he passed away in recognition for his outstanding achievements and industry contributions over more than half a century. Uh, and it is a, a long list. He owned his first print business at the age of 30. He managed some of the biggest businesses in the country, Visi, PMP, as it was then. Um, he founded one of the world's, what was recognized at the time, AIW 2001, as one of the world's most advanced heat set businesses, not just advanced in Australia, in the world. Um, he was he created a $125 million turnover with just 100 staff, which at the time was quite amazing. He was an environmental champion long before it was a derigo, we say. Uh, and when he sold AIW to IVE six years ago, he volunteered his considerable experience and knowledge to the industry on the board of Media Super, on the board of PVCA, and lastly, of course, as his president. Uh, there'll be a full appreciation in the new issue of Print 21, which, in fact, is just coming out. Yeah, that's, that is on its way to everybody in the mail. And um, I read that whole review of his life and works. What an incredible contribution he has made to the industry. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. And there can be no doubt, once again, it's been a jolly big month. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We do value your feedback, as always, especially the good feedback. It's time for me now, Lindy Houston, to say goodbye. And it's goodbye from this episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print from me, Wayne Robinson. We look forward to you joining us again next time for It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.